Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. Wherever you are, whoever you are, crypto skeptic, half believer, or enthusiast, it's really great to have you tuning in to Crypto Unstacked, where we bring you a cup of crypto every week and unstack everything from crypto finance to global macroeconomics. This podcast assumes basic knowledge of crypto and aims to explore some more advanced topics about the crypto markets, such as trading strategies, lending, and derivatives. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Amber Group to buy or sell any financial products. Information expressed by the host or guest in this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of Amber Group. This week on Crypto Unstacked, we chat with Emmanuel Goh, co-founder of SKU, a leading data analytics and crypto trade execution platform. In this episode, Emmanuel and I cover the founding story behind SKU, SKU's most recent product launch, and his thoughts on the latest market trends. How does SKU make it easy for people to visualize and consume data? Why is SKU best positioned to be the Bloomberg of crypto? What is SKU's thought process behind getting into the trade execution game? And how does leveraging a regulated inter-dealer broker allow them to scale their product offering? We cover all that and more. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Manuel, welcome to Crypto Unstacked. It's really great to have you join me on the pod today. Hey, Leslie. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today and to catch up on all the new features of the SKU platform. But first, I always like to start off our conversation by getting to know my guest. So, Emmanuel, could you tell us more about your background and path to crypto? Yes, absolutely. So I'm the co-founder and CEO of uh, SKU. You know, this is a, a company that I co-founded in September 2018, so a little bit less than two years ago. We are based in London. We are a team right now of 12 people and expanding quite rapidly. Before starting the company, I, I was a um, single stock options trader at JP Morgan for most of my career, based in London, trading um, options on Europe. European stocks. And before that, I'm, I'm originally from, from France. Uh, same to my co-founder, actually. We went to to the same uni back in back in France, but been in London for a bit more than 10 years now. So quite like the city, actually. Yeah. And where in London are you guys based? So right now, like everyone is, um, is, uh, is working remotely, but like all of our team is based in the UK, in London. And we have a, a pretty nice office in, in Shoreditch, which is in East London, where you tend to find most of the, the kind of cool startups. Um, so this is like a, an area which is um, north of the city in, uh, in East London. Yeah, actually, funny story. I used to live in Shoreditch as well. So East London was my home for a little bit of time. Uh, I was by the Hoxton Hotel in that 
my area. Yeah, we are very close to, to the Roxton Hotel. Oh, super neat. Shoreditch has got like all the cool pubs and, and nightclubs. It's quite active. <laughs> it's quite a busy area. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Kind of love the up and coming scene and neighborhood. You know, all that area is really starting to become more vibrant than it was just a few years ago. Very cool. You know, you had just mentioned you were an options trader at JP Morgan. You know, you and your partner both have significant experience trading equity derivatives. Prior to starting SKU, I don't think that there was really a go-to platform for crypto derivatives. If anything, we're pulling straws from various platforms by API, let's say, and, and maybe there was one or two platforms out there that catered specifically to crypto trading data. But to have a platform that focused specifically on crypto derivatives wasn't really a thing. So what can you tell us about kind of that journey from the idea incubation to actually execution? Do you have a moment that led you to say, you know what, now is the right time to start SKU? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, we need to go back a little bit to kind of our years and, you know, me and my co-founder team when we, we were working at, you know, he was at Citigroup and I was at JP Morgan and we spent like, um, you know, almost like a decade working on the trading floors. And, you know, the last cycle is really about the rise of the technology sector. And, you know, that is kind of impacting every single every single company that you, you might find. So from our perspective, we, we just felt that we should try to leverage technology a lot more in order to build financial services that are you know, more modern. The banking sector, investment banking was before the 08 crisis was very much seen as at the top of technology and, and very advanced. But I think post the crisis, for a number of reasons, we haven't seen as much of those, of those investments. And so you end up with businesses and services that haven't changed very much uh, for like a number of years. Our, our idea is really to try to come up with things that are more modern tools and services, you know, leveraging a lot of technology. So yeah, I think we are very excited because if you wanted to do the kind of products that we are doing today, 10 years ago, like the number of people that you would have to hire, probably an order of magnitude higher than, than today. So today like, is a very, I would say, exciting time to build a fintech startup because you, know, you have all the cloud um, ecosystem, which allows you to you know, essentially access a lot of resources without you having to build like all your kind of servers and all of those things. And then you have very powerful APIs and things that you can leverage in terms of uh, technology and financial infrastructure that maybe before you would have to build also. You know, what that means is that now we are able with a team of only 12 people and we are growing this year to between 15 and 20. We can build products that are very modern and very credible. And this is how you build a pretty exciting business. So yeah, I think we wanted to leverage technology. We are into finance and trading we love markets as you might have guessed really we were looking for an angle in terms of you know what what should we do if we want to be uh, entrepreneurial and we are kind of late mover people would say we are maybe early mover but we really looked into it in 2017 when you had this boom right in interest you know we saw here technology first that's really about automation and i think that spoke to us in a big way but also it's really a brand new asset class. It's a very vibrant ecosystem. There are a lot of like smaller layers. It's the ideal place to bootstrap uh, a product from scratch and iterate very quickly compared to maybe other asset classes like equities or 
commodity fixed income that are much more mature. So that's why we went to crypto. And with, at the time, the market was really driven by the pot market, the cash market. Our experience tells us that if you're looking into a healthy or you know, well-mature asset class, you will see eventually a derivatives market growing, which will be pretty substantial. So I think this is like one of the things that we knew from our previous time at, at the big banks. But, you know, when you look at the equity trading floor at some of the large US banks, you know, the derivatives franchise um, usually is pretty substantial compared to uh, what you see on the cash side. And there are like loads of products and, and tools that you can build for investors. So yeah, I think we just wanted to cover that space pretty well. Um, when we started, we we saw some negativity, I think, around the derivatives market. I think we, we've contributed in, in terms of making this space, I think, more understood. But I think initially, a lot of people were thinking that this was, you know, primarily for gambling and speculation, whereas those instruments initially really have developed to answer hedging needs and risk management needs. And fast forward to today, it's much more accepted than the derivatives market is here to stay and it will be substantial. And, and so we, we really have been kind of riding that wave, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You touched on a number of things there. And I think if I can sum it up, you were at the right place at the right time. Right, because if there wasn't a mature derivatives market, that then sort of invalidates the foundation that you wanted to build with SKU. You you needed the uh, growth of the derivatives market to then say, okay, here's a very fragmented market. Um, how do we sort of package up all of the data across all of these venues, both spot and derivatives, to make it much easier for traders to put on certain strategies, to be able to reference your analytics database, to come up with, let's say, a view about the market at a certain point in time, or coming from a macro perspective, being able to identify trends in the market. We come with like an institutional background and that's been like a big topic, I think, for crypto. Everyone is kind of wondering like when, when you know, institutions will really embrace uh, this asset class. And I think we really come from, you know, working at investment banks, servicing like large customers for a number of years. We, you know, we have needs and we want to see tools and analytics that are you know, different to what existed before. So from a personal perspective, for me, and I think at the start, we, we didn't necessarily wanted to do something around data or analytics, but if I'm thinking, okay, there is something interesting in this crypto market, I need to have like a good view and a good understanding of, of what's occurring in real time. And the problem that we had is that the tools today, before like, you know, the coin market cap or some of the other tools are really designed for retail. And so they were not adapted to what we needed to see. So I think that's why we we started to collect uh, a lot of the data and start to build like a number of dashboards so that we really like have a feel for what's going on in this market. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, this one is very fragmented and two, quality of data sometimes is difficult to assess. And so... We've been doing all this kind of filtering so that we can just for ourselves have like a pretty good view of what's occurring in real time. So yeah, I think we, what we've done is really trying to come up with something that's really targeted for professionals and institutional players rather than retail. And then really trying to solve uh, the kind of fragmented issue, the fact that the data quality sometimes is not that great. Derivatives are complex product and so what we are trying to do is you know give the opportunity not only for like the, the the kind of sophisticated player to understand what is occurring but also for 
the research desk and the journalists and some of the exchanges and you know regulators and you know our product should be easy to consume and share with uh, with other people so i think that's where we want to di differentiate is really that the data side of things there's been also a lot of work around apis and data feeds you know our job is really to go one step further and do a lot of work around visualization and make it very very easy for people to consume and share you know the yeah insights. i think that's a very important aspect having a ui that is something that we can say wow this doesn't look like it was built with like a windows you know 1990s back end right and that it's really something that is appealing as well which is part of i would say the challenge for people getting into this industry right it's about access to data and if they can visualize data in a way that makes sense to them in, in your case you don't just have sort of static data you have lots of dynamic charts right you can move the time frames around you know give historical data if you can do all of that then i think it makes it much more easy for even non-crypto native guys who want to place the first trade to come in and say okay i feel ready because i actually have a reference portal if you will that i can rely on for not only credible data but also comprehensive data you know in terms of like our user base we i think it definitely attracts the interest of people that have like a background um, you know being involved in financial markets in a, in a professional manner and so we see a lot of like the crypto native otc desk and exchanges and news and research outlets but there is definitely also a number of people that, which are coming more from you know the traditional finance side of things and The truth today is that crypto is still a, um, a very niche market when you look in the context of the financial markets in, in general. And so I think the step one before those institutions are going to embrace uh, this asset class and consume it, and that means trading, they are doing a lot of due diligence and they are doing what, you know, they are doing their homework essentially. So we have a lot of um, um, people from banks and from funds that are, You know, once in a while, checking in through us because they understand what we display. They are used to those metrics. This is a coverage that we provide that's very similar to, I think, what a large bank would be providing. And so, you know, it's quite interesting from our perspective because then it allows us to gauge, you know, how much interest there is um, in crypto um, in the context of, like, you know, global markets. So I think this year... You had a lot of interest at the very start uh, when CME launched their options product. So that allowed like a lot of kind of research desk and people to kind of revisit the story for crypto. Then you had, you know, the COVID crisis in March, which really tanked the market. And a lot of people then starting to talk about gold. And so, you know, a lot of people in this space think that Bitcoin is the digital version of gold. So that allowed again to kind of push this story of digital scarcity and, you know, really very much in relation with gold. And then, you know, last month you had the Bitcoin halving, which was another occasion for people to kind of reading into a space and revisit the story. So we see kind of those cycles and we see that quite well from our perspective. You mentioned you launched SKU, this was September 2018? Yeah, exactly. Right. And just about a year later, you secured funding from Kleiner Perkins and other investors as well. I believe you raised $2 million at that time. What drew a traditional investor like Kleiner Perkins 
uh, over the line to say, you know, we want to invest in a crypto analytics platform. Were you guys their first crypto play? I'm curious. No, I think they they tend to look at it, I would say sporadically, but I would I would put that question more in the context of traditional VCs. So we raised $2 million in March 2019. We raised $5 million this year and both our rounds were led by uh, traditional venture firms. So not kind of like crypto native. So they look at crypto, but they look at it in the broader context of fintech and they look they, they also look at kind of different industries. You had a bit of like a FOMO, right, in 2017 when it comes to venture capital. And I think historically people have kind of been a little bit skeptic around the space. And then, you know, they were kind of forced into it a little bit. But I think the the thing that they don't really like is very cyclical. Like there are there are cycles of kind of boom and then corrections. And so there is less of like predictability around you know, what the earnings could be like in, in six months or, or, or a year. Like it, they could be way ahead or they could be way below. Like it's, 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 um, it's a very nascent market. So, you know, the play here essentially when you go into crypto is that there is a, a bet within the bet, which is essentially to say that crypto will get big and crypto will disrupt uh, some of the traditional finance. And it's, it's a very different thing than investing in um, a neo bank Um that will go after the very, very large retail banking market. And then you can say, you know, I will get 0.5% of that very large market and you can track that very, very well. So it's not for everyone's taste. Now, I think there are a lot of people that see this as, um, you know, one of the core trends. It's at the crossroad of the need for, yeah, decentralization, scarcity, uh, automation. And there's been like a big reset, I think, in 2018. Um, and a bit like of a crypto hangover, but uh, we've seen over the last year and this year, especially this year, actually, uh, people, I think, over kind of seeing crypto as potentially like a net winner of, um, you know, what's happening in COVID, which is essentially forcing everyone towards even more digital adoption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys entered a really crowded market, I'd say. There's a lot of other competitors out there who've, you know, similarly raised lots of funds to scale the platform, scale the analytics solution to provide data for really niche part of the markets. And, you know, as we mentioned early on, your focus is specifically on crypto derivatives data, although I understand you also offer data not only on crypto, but also um, on products within the traditional market as well. What are some other ways you guys differ from these data analytics platforms out there? Yeah, so I think we have to be strong somewhere, right? So like the, the derivatives market will get big and we'll see most of actually the activity if crypto does well. That's our thesis. And so we want to be seen as the reference for covering what's happening in um, around the derivatives market. The other item, uh, which is really important, I think, is that most of the infrastructure today is adapted to uh, retail investors. And that plays from you know, the exchanges to the data analytics tool. And so there is very little, I would say, that's kind of really adapted to what professionals are seeing and the coverage that they use to consume from large banks, for instance. So that's really our angle. We want to be very, very strong at covering the derivatives market for professional investors. Now, we see crypto as this very niche market, like after like a year, uh, you you tend to see and get to know like most of the people. And it's definitely much smaller, I would say, the than the kind of traditional financial uh, um, ecosystem. So, you know, what we are really trying to do here is to position our platform 
as the bridge, uh, the gateway for professional investors into crypto. So we are early and we see that there is a lot of value here and it will probably get recognized uh, sooner than later. And so when the people from traditional finance do that, do we, you know, we, we want them to kind of embrace this new asset class like they've done with commodities before through our platform. But the way we approach it, going after those institutional investors is very differentiated from you know most of the other crypto companies so if you go after the institutional market in crypto there is there's been like one big thesis which is where do you have like a, a you know quite a bit of players which is essentially building like a custody solution and then rolling out like um, a trade execution service and essentially building the so-called prime brokers right was our idea is really to have this data analytics platform being like the front end for, for investors of the crypto markets. And we want those people to start using us to track the markets on a daily basis. And then, you know, the idea for us is to roll out and we've rolled out uh, this service last month is to have a trade execution service, which allows those users to consume the products directly from the platform. So from our perspective, we are not looking to build any of those components where we think, you know, it's not such a great place to be in as a startup, which is like the custody bit where you have to hold those assets, where there are a lot of regulatory and security and very capital intensive if you want to be credible. So we are not looking to do any of that. And you know, the collateral management and all of those things. So we are looking to leverage the existing infrastructure here. And so that's very much the way we've done it with the, the transaction platform where, you know, you can get access to trade uh, the CME, Bitcoin, German options products through our platforms. That's what we are trying to achieve. So it's very transversal and it's trying to be like this sort of one-stop shop which gives you access to the crypto capital markets in general from the same platform. I would say like when you look at like the traditional finance world in terms of benchmarking, in terms of what we could look like in, on the traditional side of things, you know, we envision the platform to be like a, a Bloomberg for crypto. Very, very interesting. So you mentioned something that I think really is a shift we're seeing in the market right now, which is the, the shift from pure play to integrated services. There are lots of companies out there that just started by offering one type of service. It could be data, it could be a wallet service, it could be a custody service, OTC service, right? And over the years, kind of going along the lines of what you mentioned earlier about the evolution of the crypto capital markets, it's just made more sense to build complementary services to the core business, right? And in your case, you don't just want to be an analytics provider, a data provider, but you're saying, okay, that's what we're good at. We've been doing that quite well. What makes sense now, given our existing customer base? What makes sense for us to offer these guys who are already coming to our platform uh, for data referencing and being able to offer a type of service that I think is quite natural for all the traders who are already using your, your services. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been very interesting to follow the sort of evolution of your business model. You know, that's definitely something that you alluded to earlier, which is this sort of race to offer a crypto, and I say this with quotes, a crypto banking solution. Yeah, I think that's that's what I was mentioning. There are a number of people that are looking to build like a crypto bank or like a, a prime broker for uh, for professional investors. And I think the way we are positioned on our side is that we can work naturally with all of those prime brokers and kind of support, um, you know, trade execution that could be settled uh, on their services or 
potentially display the analytics um, that's kind of showing you know the level of activity that they are seeing or the, the products that they have and that's the that's the idea for us but i think yeah the m a uh, um, there's been some m a this year which is encouraging um, one of the data points that i felt was interesting is the the binance purchase of coin market cap or a substantial amount which i think shows the that um, you know there is value i think from an investment perspective there's been you know investors they you need to give them the proof right so i think so far in crypto a lot of like the unicorns and the larger businesses have been either exchanges or miners but i think you know the mining business is, is a very very specific thing but it's basically been exchanges and i think investors now are kind of waking up a little bit to kind of other other um, lines of business that can have the potential to also kind of become unicorns you know you see that in in the traditional finance side of things where actually you know being the bank or being the the exchange um, can be a very good business, but it's not where um, you'll necessarily see the most value. So if you look at businesses like TradeWeb or Standards & Poor's, uh, Mark IT, Bloomberg, those are all very, very um, substantial businesses that are sometimes much larger than what the banks or the exchanges are worth. So I think that's kind of our bet is to show that you can do that in crypto and crypto is not kind of doomed, I think, from that perspective, which is that only exchanges can build like a business in, in this space. Uh, yeah, I think there is a big, a big theme out there, uh, like a consensus, I would say, which is okay, uh, there is like an institutional business, uh, there is an institutional opportunity in crypto. And so the consensus is that, you know, you should have like a custody solution and then potentially build like a trade execution service on top of it, which I think, you know, is probably the right approach. But I think it's, you know, being a crypto bank, it's a lot about credibility. And so I don't necessarily think this is the best place to be as a startup. So I think the likes of probably the fidelity of these worlds are a better place to do well at that. And the startups can build exciting services on top of them, you know, or on top of the CME, which are less capital intensive and regulatory heavy, I would say. Our challenge is, you know, who is the powerhouse of data services uh, in crypto? I'd say no one yet. Like, this is where we are excited. I think we see this opportunity for us to really kind of be number one in the kind of like uh, Bloomberg for crypto segment type of, type of product. Whereas I think if you're thinking about retail products, you know, who is the powerhouse? I mean, it's very clear already that, you know, Coinbase is there and Kraken is there and you know, they are much larger um, on the exchange side. Who are the powerhouse? Binance, uh, OKX, uh, BitMEX. So I think our segment is still like, um, in my opinion, is the next leg of, of the growth in terms of businesses. And so, um, yeah, we think we have like a decent chance to be in the top spot. So before we move on to the next topic, let's take a quick break and hear a few words about Amber Group. This episode of the Crypto Unstacked podcast is presented by Amber Group. Amber Group is a fully integrated crypto finance platform offering a suite of secondary market services across trading, wealth management, and financing solutions. We are backed by some amazing investors such as Paradigm and Pantera and work with clients and partners all over the world. Head on over to ambergroup.io to learn more about us. That's A-M-B-E-R-G-R-O-U-P.io. So, Manuel, in April earlier this year, SKU announced a new product called SKU Trading, as well as 
the announcement of $5 million in fresh capital from Octopus Ventures, DCG, so Digital Currency Group, uh, as well as a number of investors were followed on from the first round. How will you guys be growing and investing in the business going forward with this new capital? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So we raised $5 million round at the start of the year. Now we have this idea that ideally we our service could be um, the closest thing to, to, to self-service as they can be. And so we are heavy, investing heavily in our engineering group so that we can build the tools and services as we as we envision them. The trade execution platform has taken um, you know, a decent amount of resources, as you can imagine, in terms of... Uh, of building it over the last few months, and we are willing to invest heavily in the in the analytics product uh, in the next few months, so that we can really take it to kind of the next level from a product perspective. So yeah, I think the plan for us is that just before the funding round, we were um, nine, and we are looking to double the size of the team. Um, we'll be 14 next month, and by the end of the year, probably around 18. But yeah, we want to be mindful uh, in terms of not deploying too much capital. We want to deploy it where it makes sense. You know, we are of the view that there is like a, an opportunity in, in the crypto market for kind of targeting institutions. But as I mentioned, like this is still like a very, very nascent space. And so the danger here is that some of our peers maybe have, or crypto companies in general have maybe sometimes deployed a little bit too much capital too early. So we, yeah, we feel, we feel comfortable that you can build a decent business, uh, which is leveraging a lot of technology, potentially pay for uh, 15 to 20 headcounts. But, you know, today it's a bit harder for us to envision that we could have like a business that makes sense uh, to, to pay like, I don't know, 50 or 100 people. I think it will get there, but it's not just there in terms of the size of the markets. That's one of the things where we, you know, we want to see the proof of traction before deploying rather than just very dogmatically deploy before it, it comes. I think like there's been a big change uh, uh, in the thinking about how to deploy capital when you're a VC back startup. You know, before it was almost like if I can spend, <laughs> if I can spend $10 to make $1, uh, like let's do it. But I think right now we, we want to focus more in terms of at an earlier stage about the unit economics of our businesses. Makes sense. One of these products that we've been talking about and that you're rolling out now is SKU Trading. It's an institutional brokerage platform uh, to allow traders to trade both spot and derivatives. And I saw that you guys launched a demo environment recently, right? So people can already start to register on the platform. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the idea for us is we want to gradually kind of remove all the all the little blockers. I think like onboarding and getting people set up to platforms is actually like probably 50% of the work. So we want to do that in a way uh, which scales. You know, we just noticed that uh, we had to do more and more demo calls and we just end up doing the same call over and over again. And I think that's not probably the best use of uh, everyone's time. So I think we felt like the best way of doing this is just to have like a, a sandbox environment where people can just familiarize themselves with the platform, see how it looks, see how it works, and that will give them the, the will to onboard with us. That's one of the steps we've taken to make the start of the relationship with us uh, easier. Right, right. And one of the things that the platform will enable traders to do do is facilitate OTC execution of CME block trades, right? You, you mentioned that earlier for Bitcoin futures and Bitcoin options on futures contracts. You know, how is this different from what another technology provider like Paradigm does with these block trades? 
Yeah, so I think for, for us, it's really like um, we are trying to build the one-stop shop, right? So if people are tracking the market through us on a daily basis, there is no reason why we would like to send them away when at the time where they want to consume the product. So I think the thread execution service for us is a very natural thing to roll out. I think what we were trying to do here is really like a very simple system where essentially as a customer, you're looking for liquidity. We have a platform where electronically we will connect you with some of the liquidity providers in the space and get you the best possible price for the size that you're looking for. You know, we are you know, using like a model that we are very familiar with in the equity markets, but essentially when you have this kind of block trades, we can cross it at the exchange and they take care of all the clearing. And so what that means is that, that we never touch the funds of the client. So what's very important for us here is to have like a very good platform where the experience is, uh, is very simple, right? It's just like, this is what I'd like to see. I'm just pushing a button. It's going to ping like the market makers and you're going to get the price back very quickly. And then you just, you know, affirm the trade and it's being crossed at the exchange. So all of that stuff can happen in a matter of seconds. And so that for us is a very, very big difference to what, you know, the workflow that we were seeing, um, you know, when we were working at kind of larger banks. One of the things where we've been spending a lot of time is, you know, those, those are kind of regulated, um, uh, what we call in Europe, the, you know, MIFID instruments, but essentially... Um, arranging and executing trades and transactions um, of, of, those, of those contracts is a regulated activity. And so that's why we've done a deal um, with um, an inter-dealer broker, which is called Kite Broking, which we knew from our times at the large banks. So that essentially we are under their kind of regulatory umbrella, which ensures that we are registered with the FCA, which ensures that we can leverage the, the kind of regulat regulatory setup that they have in the US and in Europe. And so, you know, from, from my perspective, it just gives us like a very, very clean and very, very credible setup when it comes to dealing with institutions. So that means we never touch your funds because I think those institutions, the opposite of retail, are very, very conscious of the credit risk that they take. And so their funds are always with uh, the FCMs that are making the, the CME clearing system. And also, you know, they are managing most of the time kind of, um, you know, people's money. And so... They will ask a lot of questions when to monitoring and, um, you know, surveillance and what's the regulatory setup. And so on our side, we have a setup which is, you know, 100% clean where we can onboard uh, counterparties that are based in the UK, in continental Europe or in the US. So, yeah, I think we are positioning this really so that when people come in and they want, they realize the value of crypto and they want to get access to some of those products, it's easy. We just have like something that they are used to. Too. So our platform is very similar to, you know, all other kind of trades execution platforms that you would see uh, to arrange trades in traditional asset classes like fixed income, for instance. So um, that's like, um, you know, a great partnership. I think it gives a lot of credibility for us when, you know, we are in front of, um, you know, traditional finance firms, uh, which are asking a lot more questions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Kite is a, is a big name in the inter-dealer broker market. They've... Um, They've executed for around $10 trillion notional of listed derivatives contract last year across asset classes and exchanges. And so we have like a, a framework with them where essentially we get a lot of support from a compliance perspective and onboarding. And we've closed that relationship then uh, towards the end of last year and they've provided valuable support to us. Yeah, I think this is a, a great way to scale almost immediately and leverage their network as well right off the bat. You know, we, we really try to 
place ourselves in the in the shoes of someone that's working in commodities or equities and how does he see bitcoin i think those guys most of them they, they are not really convinced but you know sometimes their clients want to talk about it and so you know we want to give them a, a solution where potentially they can access and work with us to give access to their clients to the bitcoin market so uh, we are working on a pretty interesting broker referral program so that brokers from the kind of traditional side of things can can leverage the platform and um, and make some money Very cool. So as we're nearing the end of our conversation here, I definitely wanted to zoom out and get your take on some of the market trends that you see. Um, I know one growing trend in crypto trading that SKU has commented quite a bit about as of late is the use of stablecoins, right? Uh, USDT uh, specifically, their market cap you know, has, has really been pushing, you know, towards the $10 billion range, which is astonishing. They're pretty much the entire stablecoin market at this point. The Block, I know, published an article recently where their head of research, Larry Cermak, mentioned, you know, it's not really clear where this growth in stablecoins is coming from, uh, whether it's coming from new supply or whether it's existing money that's being converted into stablecoins. From a data analytics platform perspective, what's your take on the growth of stablecoins? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the use cases, and that's an exciting one, I would say. And it's, it's actually kind of driving a lot of activity on the Ethereum blockchain, which I think is, is a healthier uh, use case than um, you know, what we saw in 2017 with the boom of, of ICOs. So it's showing that technology can be leveraged. And I think, you know, this growth in stable coins is probably um, can be explained by some sort of like, you know, economic usage by um, by people. So that's very interesting. I think USDT is one of those where personally I've been quite wrong, uh, always thinking that, you know, this would be kind of replaced at some point by potentially more transparent alternative or more regulated alternative like such as USDC. But thing uh, is actually uh, the opposite and and USDT has been this year growing like very 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 strongly I'm, I'm still wondering like how is potentially like a big systemic risk uh, down down the line because you know it's starting to be uh, fairly substantial USDC is interesting I think DAI is a very interesting uh, experiment that's worth watching and then you know Libra is still there and I think most of people think that it won't be as disruptive as they initially thought but it's also like a very important project I think to keep an eye on and are there any other interesting market trends that you follow closely It's interesting because uh, I was kind of reviewing some of the, the forecasts uh, or the predictions that we did at the at the start of the year. The clear one is the options market. So the options market is is growing structurally. You know, you see more and more growth on dairy bits and most recently on the Ethereum market. So start to see a decent amount of traction and activity on the CME. The open interest has crossed like a billion dollars in the last few, I think in the last month. And I think it's at 1.5 right now. Now for, for the options market in Bitcoin. So yeah, there is like a decent amount of growth and that's an interesting market because options are probably a little bit different than, than futures in the sense that you can't really kind of margin trade them. So it's a bit more of like a level playing field, I would say, between the kind of um, unregulated venues and regulated venues, uh, especially in the US. So when you look at the futures market, you will see for perpetual swaps or futures that you can get to 100 times leverage on most of the crypto native platforms. When, you know, the CME is, I think the initial margin is, is around 40%, but yeah, it's, 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 it's just like a bit more than 2x leverage. So you can't really kind of compare 
but on the option side, it's I would say slightly different in the sense that uh, you can't really buy an option on 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 margin. You have to spend the the, the premium upfront, and so I think you will see like uh, orders of magnitudes in terms of volumes, which are much more comparable, and maybe. Um, an exchange like the CME, uh, you know, taking the lead for I'd say the first time uh, compared to like a crypto native exchange. So that's one. I think on you know what's interesting on the the kind of structure of the spot market. We've been looking a lot at our venue like LMAX, uh, which is um, you know fairly big in FX, doing compared to um, to more of the kind of crypto native like retail venues like Coinbase Pro and Kraken. We haven't seen that crossover yet. I think the, the most of the spot activity uh, ends up on, on some of the historical players. You know, in the end, those those companies could be just kind of pure brokerage, you know, retail brokerage and leveraging some of the, you know, more kind of institutional uh, underlying infrastructure to clear and settle the trades. But we haven't seen that. So you still have like most of the Kraken, the Bitstamp, Coinbase, the Gemini, and all the exchanges are still doing the custody and the, and the clearing of their assets. You know, I would expect maybe at some point that it gets a little bit more centralized venue, which is a bit more uh, institutional driven. So that, that would kind of mirror a little bit what we see in the equity markets, but that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, excellent. Thanks for giving your take on what we should be looking out for over the next, you know, couple months to a year. Um, definitely very interesting to follow that. Now, I, I can't let you go without asking you uh, this one question that, you know, I, I really, really love to ask um, all of my guests, which is what is an important truth about the crypto space that you believe in that few might agree with you on? You know, right now, like the larger companies in the space are the Kraken and the Coinbase and the Bitstamp and the exchanges. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is like a transition towards a brokerage model down the line and, and the clearing and settlement that becomes kind of more centralized, increasingly not done by, by those exchanges. But so far, you know, they are so large that we haven't seen that yet. So far, we see more and more consolidations with exchanges doing more and more things where we could see potentially um, an opposite trend. So I think, yeah, like the most anti-consensus thing for me is uh, Kraken today is like a unicorn and Skew is a very early stage startup and could he, could you have like in in one or two or three years uh, a configuration where um, a data and trade execution business uh, can be as valuable as some of the crypto exchanges. I think that's really like the challenge on our side that we have, and that's very anti-consensus. It's anti-consensus to think that SKU could be like a billion dollar uh, business, just like some of the crypto retail exchanges are. People haven't showed that yet in crypto. That's the task for us. <laughs> I don't see why that can't happen in, in just a matter of a few years. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Great, and um, I'll just end very quickly with a round of rapid fire, uh, just some fun questions for you. So what's your favorite SKU chart? Oh, that's a good question. What's my favorite SKU chart? Um, <laughs> I have like a, a lot of them, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a former like options trader, so I like to uh, to see uh, what the implied vol is doing. So we have like a chart that's giving you like historical implied vol in kind of real time for, for Bitcoin. Very cool. One of your investors, Octopus Ventures, was quoted in an article about SKU saying, we look to back pioneers reimagining the future of money what does the future of money look like to you in just a few sentences? That's a good question. So that's something we discussed at the, um, I think it's around the, this idea of programmable money. Um, so, you know, one of, of our guys, uh, when, when, when we were discussing crypto is, um, oh, this is great. This is, this is just like Apple Pay. And so <laughs> I think 
this is interesting as an observation that like crypto needs to be more than just Apple Pay because Apple Pay already exists and it scales a million times better. There is this concept of programmable money, uh, which can unleash, I think, a lot of very, very cool uh, use case. Great. And last question here. What is a development within the crypto industry that has surprised you over this past year? I've been thinking that, yeah, this exchange, this kind of exchange model that does everything would be destructured, you know, pretty quickly. And actually what we are seeing is more like exchanges becoming bigger, if that makes sense. So that that is surprising me. And yeah, I'm wondering if it will still be the case in one or two years or if things will change a little bit. Great. And Emmanuel, how can listeners get in touch with you and learn more about SKU? We have a Twitter handle at skew.com where we post um, um, our observations on a daily basis. And so you can you can follow that. We try to give interesting insights into what we are seeing in the market. Everything is available on skew.com. Uh, there are tons of analytics out there which are available for free and for the professional and institutional types. You can sign up for an account with us for free, which will give you you know more, more services and increasingly access to um, the services that we are rolling out over the course of this year. Emmanuel, appreciate you coming on to the Crypto Unstacked podcast. Thanks so much for your time and for taking us under the hood to view what you guys are doing over at SKU. And I hope to catch up with you again very, very soon. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. It was a pleasure. As always, hope you enjoyed this week's Cup of Crypto. If you like what you heard, please share and subscribe on Spotify and anchor.fm slash crypto unstacked. Do engage with us through social media. I'll provide details in the show notes. And connect with me on Twitter at Les Lambeau. That's L-E-S-L-A-M-B-0. Would love to chat with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care and see you at our next episode.